uh, today to worship with us. Uh, what uh, you can clap for a <laughs> What is happening today is Misty Creek is providing the music, and then their pastor Stephen uh, and I are going to do dueling sermons and uh, just ten minutes apiece. So Misty Creek is doing the good music and the good sermon, and then you'll have me for ten minutes. <laughs> Uh, a couple of things, and we are timed, so I'm quick. Samaritan's first shoeboxes, you see them in the foyer. If you'd like to take one, fill it up. Instructions are there. Uh, if you want more information, we can hook you up with that. Uh, our folks, there's no Wednesday night service this week, so please remember that. I want to thank all of the helpers that have done so much getting everything ready this weekend. <laughs>
teach you a new song. Now the singer's going to lead us. This is a song about God's great love for us. Before he created the sun, the moon, and the stars, before he stitched together the fabric of the universe and spoke everything into existence, he was thinking about you and me. He knew we would sin. He knew we would fall short. He already had in mind a plan to save us through his son, Jesus. So from the beginning of all things, he was already loving you. He was already loving me. So this is a song called When Creation Was Young.
morning, y'all. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick moment and, and just share our journey as Misty Creek and how it ties in with you guys. You know, Misty Creek Community Church, it started in April of this year. We were a group of believers who, who felt called to gather together in obedience to Christ and just to try and stand on the truth of God's Word. You know, we met at home in Sandy Springs. But as we grew, we prayed that God would provide somewhere for us to meet. A church home. Asked a realtor friend of mine uh, who deals with property in Sandy Springs and Dunwoody. He said, uh, good luck with that, man. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. But that didn't stop us. We continued to pray to a big God. And God led us across the path of uh, Pastor David Shivers and Mitch and Harry from your deacon board. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians that Jesus is before all things. And in him all things hold together. So Jesus heard our prayers. He had already gone before us here at Sandy Springs. And we met with David and told him about our journey. He told us that, that he and the deacon board had been praying that God would send the body of believers to Sandy Springs to start using the Stone Chapel for worship once more. And so uh, Sandy Springs, your pastor, your deacons, and all of you have shown us that Misty Creek the grace and the loving kindness of Christ Jesus. The love shown to us reminds me of the first century church in the book of Acts, where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. All the believers were together and had everything in common. You see, David, Mitch, and Harry, they, they weren't concerned with whether or not uh, we'd be in any kind of competition with them. You know, any threat to the church. They were concerned with reaching the world for Jesus Christ. And, and they saw us as brothers. And sisters in the family. And so today, so today, this is Creek Community Church. I'm talking to you. We do, let's 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 uh, let's say thank you to Pastor Shivers and the Deacon Board and to the entire congregation of Sandy Creek.
downstairs 51 years ago. I was in the Annie House Club kindergarten here. And uh, Bud Shivers signed my kindergarten certificate, so I know I graduated. <laughs> David's dad, Bud Shivers. And it is an honor and a privilege to be in service with you and Mitch and Harry if he was here today. Uh, today we're going to do the offering. We're going to have a combined offering. Uh, if you were at Misty Creek, if you'll write Misty Creek on the uh, envelope and First Baptist Sandy Springs, the same thing. If you have cash, put it in an envelope and uh, write First Baptist or Misty Creek on there and then we'll collect it back and divide it up uh, at the end of the service. Uh, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this cooler weather and we thank you for these two Christian communities of faith who have come together to worship you. But today, like the song says, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We thank you especially for First Baptist of Sandy Springs and their leadership for opening their arms and their doors to this decree. May your Holy Spirit rain down on all of us. We pray that you will bless our time of food and fellowship today with the Bluegrass Barbecue and that the new friendships that will be made between these brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we pray that you will take these tithes and offerings and multiply them and use them to the furtherment of your kingdom. Now let us pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day.
Okay, so that's one of those commands. That's one of the great commandments. And then there's the great commission that we read about in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. When Jesus says, Go ye therefore into all the nations, okay, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And remember, always remember that I will be with you to the very end of the age. So those are two very paramount scriptures that we always need to remember and have them etched on our hearts. Now the beauty of those scriptures is, is we don't go to a committee meeting or a board meeting and we vote on those. We don't vote to love others. We don't, we don't vote to make disciples. Those are the things that we do. And if we're not fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission, then we're just another social club, right? We don't want to be just a social club. We want to do what God has called us to do and what Jesus has commanded us to do. He didn't command us to do a lot of things, but He did give us these two important commands that we need to remember together. So, what does that mean? Here we have the foundation of the whole Bible. Love God with everything that you've got. And then love people. There you go. Love God with everything that you've got and love people. And so the first of those five that I mentioned is you can't do life alone. Does anybody here think they can do life alone? I don't think we can. Matter of fact, I know that we can. You need people, but it's not all about you, right? It reminds me of the family that had been going to the same church for years. And they had finished church and they were getting ready to go to lunch together. It was the father and the, 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 the mother and the, the young son. And they got in the car and as they headed off to lunch, the dad said, you know what? kind of tired of our church. The pastor preaches the same thing every week. All he does is preach about Jesus. <laughs> the choir sings the same songs every week. The wife says, she said, yeah, I'm just kind of tired of the choir. And the little boy from the back seat chimes in and he says, well, I think it's a pretty good show for two dollars. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that the people that usually give the least complain the most and they, they make it about them, don't they? Well, <laughs> we do need one another. But we also need to lift one another up. And we need to realize that this morning is really not about us. It's all about God Almighty. Don't you agree? The second principle that I think we need to know is growing people transform. Now, you might remember Romans 12, too. But the scripture says, Be ye therefore no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will be able to test and approve what God's perfect pleasing will is for your life. So in essence, okay, that's the transformation. That's a, a metamorphosis, isn't it? Paul reminds us that God is not directly seen, but that He's, he's reflected through us. And I see Him this morning when I look out at you, I see Him in you. And I can tell you this without any reservation, your pastor reflects God Almighty. Mitch, who I've gotten to know really well, as he comes over to Misty Creek and he checks on us about every Sunday in person, do you need anything? Can we help you with anything? That's Christ. And this is the body of Christ, and you represent the divine image of God Almighty. So we have a huge responsibility, don't we, to represent Him well in doing that by loving others and spreading that good news of the gospel that Jesus tells us to do in Matthew 28. But we tend to forget that, don't we? We tend to forget what our calling is and what we're supposed to do. It's kind of like spiritual amnesia when you begin to think about it. I know some of you have heard the story, but i got ten minutes rather than five, so I've, I've got time to tell a little story. What preacher doesn't like to tell a story? Okay, so there was an elderly man 
And he had lost his wife, and he'd been without her for several years. And his son said, Dad, you really need to, to move into a place where you can have some fellowship and have some good food and, and be with people. And the dad was, had reservations about that. He said, Dad, there's a really nice retirement community, and there's some nice little ladies there. They've got good food and activities. And the dad said, well, I'll try it out. So he went over and he visited, and he loved the place. And he decided, okay, I can live there. And so he moved in and he had his own little apartment. Well, within a few weeks, he took a fancy for a lady that lived there. She, too, had lost her spouse. And he began a courtship of her. And they, they went out to dinner every night right there in the retirement center. Went on dates together and watched movies together. And he became so eclipsed with her that he proposed to her. Later that night, he went back to his room, went to bed. He woke up the next morning in frantic. He thought, he said, oh, my gosh, I proposed to her, but I don't remember what she said. And so he got up, got his clothes on, got ready, you know, got showered on. He, he went over to her room and knocked on the door. And she came to the door and she said, good morning. He said, good morning. He says, I feel so embarrassed. Last night over dinner, I proposed to you and I can't remember what you said. She said, thank God you came by. I remember someone proposing to me, but I don't remember who it was. shelter. I was in prison. And when you visited people in prison, when you visited them and provided them food and shelter and drink, in essence you did that for me. And some folks said, Lord, we didn't know we did that. He said, you didn't do it for me. And then they looked back at him and probably said, well Lord, if we'd have known it was you, we would have done it. Really? Would you have done it? And today, do we get so busy and consumed with all we've got to do that we fail to realize that if we're saved and we profess Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be serving Him and looking for where the greatest need is at all times. Not just our own needs, but the needs that are around us. And I would encourage you to do that. Every Christ follower is a ministry. I tell Mystery Creek this every week, that ministry equals service and that you all are ministers so I want you to do something for me. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you're one good-looking minister. Go ahead and do it. Even if they're not good-looking, say it anyway. Good-looking minister. But you know, to be a minister, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Not religion without Christ. You see, sometimes religion becomes so complicated that we fail to make room for Christ. Whoa, really? 
tradition and all that sort of thing. Sometimes it gets in the way of what Christ wants to do when we lock Him out. We need to have that relationship. We need to be authorized, not unauthorized. 2 Corinthians 15, 58 puts it this way, and I love the King James Version of this, this passage. Be ye therefore a servant of God. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain if you labor in the Lord. What that means is, nothing you ever do for the Lord is wasteless or useless. You work for the Lord in His name. It's never wasteless or useless. Found people find people. This is the fourth principle. Found people find people. That's the thrust of the Great Commission, right? Confirming the chief end of humankind. Glorify God. We've been doing that this morning. We began that right away. Tell others about God. That's, that's profession of Christ. That's telling others about God. And guess what? Enjoy God forever. Do you know, if you know Jesus Christ now and you serve Him and you have an authentic relationship with Him and you're serving Him and serving other people, then you already have the promise of eternity within you right now. So if you walk out of those doors and somebody hits you out here on this crazy road, something happens to you, you inherit eternity instantly. And your family and friends can have that assurance. Yeah, they'll be sad. Maybe they will. They'll be disappointed. <laughs> hurt and miss you physically, but they'll know spiritually that you remain in eternity for heaven, and then we all can join you someday and rejoice and dance before the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? And last but not least, and I'm going to be under my 10 minutes, maybe so you will longer if you need to. <laughs> Worship is a lifestyle. In a few weeks at Mystery Creek, Doug, our worship pastor, and Barry, plays wonderful on the guitar, they're going to share about worship and what that means. And why they do what they do. Because it's not about them. They do it because God has called them to. And they're so full of the Holy Spirit. It's got to come out some way. So if it comes out in three or four different instruments and singing, so be it. And you could see that this morning, could you? You could sense it. You could feel it. Romans 12.1 Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your act of spiritual worship. When we worship God, we're somehow changed, don't we? This is not the purpose of worship. It's not about us. But when we experience God, when we're authentic worshipers of God Almighty, we're transformed. Like 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, we are new creations in Christ. The old is gone. The new brings forth. Wow. Worship is offering our best selves, our real selves, to God. The scripture says, where there is a spirit, spirit of heaviness, Put on the garment of praise. So we praise first. We enter into His courts with thanksgiving and praise. Thank you for this day of life. Thank you for this opportunity to be here at this church today. Thank you for the food that's been prepared. Thank you for all that you've done for my family. Thank you for rescuing me out of the pits of despair. We praise Him. We thank Him. And then we enter in and we worship Him. That's what it's about. We give Him our very best. And we see ourselves in a different way. Giving our best to Him. That, ladies and gentlemen, is ultimately why we're here this morning. That's why when we gather in church and we have an authentic relationship and we're truly our worshipers of God Almighty, that we look at church as getting to go to church. I get to go to church. 
I get to make barbecue. I get to make potato salad. I get to help serve for the barbecue after the bluegrass service. It's not, oh, I got to make baked beans. <laughs> oh, I got to get up and go to church again this morning. Oh, we got a leadership meeting. Oh, I got to go to the women's Bible study. Oh, it's I get to, and I want to, and I'm thrilled to, and I desire to, and I want to serve in any way that I can. We have that joyous attitude, don't we? And I know you do. And you're working on that, aren't you? Giving our best. It's about offering everything that we are to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So it's time, and it can start right now, for us to pour out our hearts to God. Where we trust in God. And there's no borders. There's no barriers. Their church, our church. It's His church. And He's blessed us and He's brought us together as one. And together, there's no telling what God's going to do. If we remain faithful and we lean into that Holy Spirit and allow Him to work through and in us. So it's time for us to do that. That's what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about the, the bluegrass and the barbecue, and that's all wonderful. But it's all about Jesus. What we're doing today is a perfect example of surrendering to God's authority and coming together to share His love. So there are my five of the top ten things that Christians should know. May God bless you, each and every one. You know, going second, I wondered, what if he takes my five? <laughs> and so I had to think a little outside of the box, and so none of them are really in common, and they're all in common. It's interesting. So number one, don't worry. God has unlimited resources. Do not worry because God has unlimited resources. And I tell you this, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel here. I'm talking about there's no need for us to, to worry because we have security, we have peace. There's an incentive not to worry. When Matthew tells us this in chapter 6, Jesus said, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or your body or what you wear. Is it your life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor they reap or gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 26 is a math problem to me. I'm a bit of a math nerd. Look at the birds of the air. I've seen that many times, but I've not done the math. I've done the math. It's estimated there are 400 billion birds in the world. 400 billion. Google. I have access to Google. <laughs> The richest man in the world is Jeff Bezos. $131 billion. You do the math, $131 billion divided by $400 billion, Jeff Bezos has 33 cents a bird for every bird. I'm sure the cost of labor and transportation and taxes and insurance, not to mention the feed, would make the cost of feeding all the birds way more than 33 cents. Jeff Bezos could not feed the birds of this world for one day. God has done it since creation. Seven days a week. We're only talking birds here. We're not talking about the stuff in the sea or the other stuff on the land. And God does that every day. Christians need to know God has unlimited resources. And you need to quit working. Number two. We need to know that God is always there. Now, that should comfort us and scare us silly at the same time. <laughs> and you understand what I'm talking about. 
He's always there. And aren't you so glad you're never alone? But when you misbehave, he's always there. <laughs> Remember, Stephen said this, the last line in the book of Matthew. Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. The big words, omnipresent, God being everywhere. I grew up right across the street, corner of Mount Vernon and Glenridge, Caddy Corner in here. My dad grew up in Mississippi, so when I was a kid, he bought me a slingshot. And he gave it to me, and I was in the backyard and shooting cans and trees. And it's boring shooting still things. And my next-door neighbor, David Brazil, was with me. And we hear a sound, and a little green MG going by. And my neighbor child says, I bet you can't hit that car. <laughs> and I did. And uh, <laughs> so the car hit the brakes, and we hit the trail. And the driver found my brother Charlie, my brother Charlie from my father. My father found me repeatedly over the next several days. <laughs> True story. Statute of limitations is run out. <laughs> if you're back in the backyard with me and my neighbor, and my neighbor, and, and let's put my dad in the backyard with us, Reagan, who signed your diploma, and my dad is there, and my neighbor said, I bet you can't hit that car. You know what I would have done? I'd have backed up to my father and said, you wicked child, how dare you say something like that? I'm not raised by wolves, I know better than that, but dad wasn't there. What if God had been there, would I have shot the car? Trick question, because guess what? He was there. I forgot. And trouble comes when you forget. So Christians need to know that God is always there. Number three, it's important to know how to stop. It is important. God set aside the Sabbath one day a week, and we live in a crazy, hectic, busy world. When we lived in Mississippi, we had a long, sloping front yard, longer than the sanctuary, and we had hickory trees, and then Commerce Street, and then a ditch, and somehow we ended up with a big cardboard tube that newsprint would haul on the railroad, and we were out in the front yard, our kids were little, and they stuck me in the tube, and they gave me a push. And I get dizzy on merry-go-round. I, I, I'm not good at this, and I'm rolling, and I'm thinking my lovely bride will stop me, and I can see her while I'm doing this. <laughs> She's on the ground pointing at the laughing at me as I'm going down the hill, and it's picking up speed and momentum, and I'm beginning to think, there's hickory trees at the bottom of this hill, and then there's Commerce Street, and then there's a ditch, and I don't know how to stop. <laughs> Knowing how to stop is important. In 1960, Time Magazine said that because of advances in technology, by the 80s, people wouldn't know what to do because we would have so much time on our hands. We'd work less, retirement would come real early, and the big challenge of the generations ahead would be what we would do with all our free time. It's not true. We're like hamsters on a wheel. And Jesus had a busy, busy schedule. People always wanted a piece of Jesus and they wanted to touch him and they wanted to come to their house. They wanted to feed him and they wanted to heal him. And to cast out demons. And Jesus needed help so he gets the disciples. And in Mark chapter 6 verse 7, you remember this, he sends the twelve out to begin two by two, to give them authority over unclean spirits. So to say, go out into the world and do great things. And when they came back, Mark tells us, the apostles gathered around Jesus and told them all they'd done and taught and they'd have such a great thing. And you know what happens in verse 31? It's life-changing. They've been so busy and they've done so much. And in verse 31 it says, 
He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Rest a while. That's why we have the Sabbath, and I know you have busy, hectic, wild schedules. God designed you to stop. And it's important for Christians to know how to stop. Number four, Christians need to know to focus because one of the greatest weapons the devil has is distraction. One of the greatest weapons he has is distract us. It might not be a bad thing, but it might not be the best thing. And he wants us distracted. King David walked out on a roof and he said, what's the problem? <laughs> Got distracted. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Okay. There are distractions everywhere. Remember Jesus visiting Mary and Martha? Martha welcomed him. Mary sat at his feet. Martha's tipped her sister. Lord, do you not care my sister's left me to do all this work by myself? Jesus answered, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary's chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. Can you relate? We live in a distracted world. Victor Frankl wrote, unless a man wishes to drown, he has to become selective. That is to say, he has to become able to select when to turn on the TV set and when to turn it off. What books to read, publications to read, what to throw away. Selectiveness means that we have to be responsible for what is important and what is not, what is essential and what is not, what is valuable and what is not, what is meaningful and what is not. We have to be capable or become capable of such decisions. So we have to learn to be focused. I don't know where this quote came from. I've saved it for years. It says this, and it's a good one. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It's that we'll become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. It's true. We need to know that we should focus. Because one of the devil's greatest weapons is distraction. Lastly. We need to know that we need to guard our hearts. We have to guard our hearts. One day a man came to me in Indiana and his family was falling apart and there was another woman and he knew better and he sat in my office and he looked at me and he said, I didn't guard my heart. He knew what it meant that he didn't do it. He was referring to Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, the words you speak come from the heart that's what defiles you. From, from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, and theft, and lying, and slander. Everything springs from it. I read this illustration recently, and I loved it. Suppose someone comes and asks you to take care of their house. And they go out of town, and when they come back, they walk in, and the carpet's torn up, and the windows are broken, and there's holes in the walls, and the furniture's in pieces, and the ceiling has holes in it, and it's a wreck. And you go and say, what's up? And they say, well, some fugitives came and they needed a place to stay. And a rugby team wanted to practice indoors, and so we let them. And, and then there was that fraternity that got kicked off campus, and they needed a place. And the owner, as the owner of the house, I've got one question. Don't you know how to say no? It's not your house. You don't have a right to let anyone who wants to enter. You ever think God wants to say that to us about our hearts? It's not your house. That's my house. And you have to be very, very careful who and what you let enter. As 
Christians, who's your heart belong to? You or God? God. We have to be so careful to who or to what we open our hands. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. There you have it. Fine. Don't worry. God has unlimited resources. God is always there. It's important to know how to stop, focus, because one of the devil's greatest weapons is distraction. God bless you.
benediction and the blessing, but don't leave yet because I think there may be an encore song that you don't want to miss, okay? You might even break out dancing. I don't know. We'll see about that, okay? So, here now this benediction. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and that you would manifest your gifts through us of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Send us forth now, knowing that you have called us by name and that you've claimed us to be your very own. We ask, Lord, that you bless the food that we're getting ready to eat. We thank you for those who provided the food and prepared the food. We ask that you take this food and nourish our bodies, that we would serve you with all that we are. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the precious Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 We all technically the service is over, but y'all want to hear one more song? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a song that was kind of put back on the map by the Cohen Brothers movie, My Brother Where Art Thou. How many people saw that? Yeah, a lot of people. Well, it was sung by uh, Nancy Vincent from Allison Krause's band. George Clooney acted like he sung it in the movie. But it was funny, Nancy Vincent tells a story after the movie. He asked his wife, what'd you think about it? Well, honey, it was heaven. It was your voice coming out of George Clooney's mouth. <laughs>